Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name's Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode number 90. We're going to be uh, talking about my third rookie draft. Truth is that I've had five, but I'm just catching up week by week with which ones we have. So today we'll talk about number three. It's in my Keeper League, and I, I post these drafts just so that you guys can look at the website and actually see average draft positions so you can see how drafts are rolling so you might know which players you might have to reach for versus those you could wait on uh, given real leagues where people are actually drafting so if you go to the website you can see a list of all of them i'll mention them here in the podcast but it's kind of hard to follow in podcast form so go to the website check it out dynastyfreaks.com and we can talk about my third uh, draft that i had well like i said fifth but the third one i'll report on this is actually my keep, what's called my Keeper League. That's just the name of the league, the Keeper League. Uh, this is the first league that I actually actually took over an orphan team. I joined the league five years ago and turned the team around pretty quick, I'd say. I advanced to the Super Bowl two of the last three years, including last year. But both times I lost in the Super Bowl, so that's kind of annoying. Um, it's enjoyable. It's an active league uh, during the season with plenty of trades, lots of trades. But the league goes pretty dormant during the offseason, and there's actually no waiver wire after the NFL Super Bowl and so uh, until our rookie drafts start. Thus, you'll see that there's more than average number of veteran players that are actually drafted in the rookie draft because of that. The league itself is an old-school 10-team, non-PPR league, 30-man rosters, 10-player lineups, including kickers and defense, so pretty standard as far as that goes. As I said, I lost in the Super Bowl last year, so I was picking in the number nine spot for most picks, unless, of course, those acquired by trade. I knew I wouldn't get one of the top five uh, rookie running backs in this draft, so I I knew I had a really solid wide receiver that would fall to me at 1.9. After that, I really just planned on going best player available, depending on position, what happened in the draft. And I wanted to try to target a quarterback if I could, but I wouldn't reach because Jameis Winston... Like I've said in so many of my leagues, he was my number one quarterback that led me to a great season last year, and now, of course, his value has plummeted, so I was looking to try to pick up a quarterback if I could. A couple other things to note, owners in this league rarely follow ADP. This is my one league where, man, you watch it, and people just make form their own opinions, and they draft people, and you'll notice that right away, even in the first round. It doesn't follow form quite as well as the rest of the drafts that I've reported on or that you've seen so far. I like what I did overall in this draft. Uh, one player that will likely become a starter for me right away in this year, but for the rest of this, it was pretty much like a depth kind of draft for me. I feel like I just got a lot of depth, players that I can wait on and wait to see what happens next time. So with that said, let me go ahead and tell you what happened in all of my picks here. We'll go with round one. Again, I would encourage you to go to the website because then you can actually look at these rather than just try to listen to them or memorize them. But I will list them here just for the sake of the podcast. Number one, in round one, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Number two, C.D. Lamb. Number three, Jerry Judy. See, I told you it was a little bit different than most drafts. 
Number four, Jonathan Taylor. Number five, DeAndre Swift. Number six, J.K. Dobbins. Number seven, Justin Jefferson. Number eight, Cam Akers. Number nine, Jalen Rager. Number 10, Henry Ruggs. So with each uh, draft, I will talk about what I think is the best value, the best reach, and the best, and, and then my pick, actually, why I picked the player that I did. So let's start with best value. As first round, best value, I would say Cam Akers. He fell further than I've seen in any rookie drafts that I've been a part of this year. Like I said, I've been a part of five. It's a little confusing because the Rams stated this week that they really intend to have running back by committee. That came out this week, so obviously before this draft happened. But I really don't believe that they will by the end of the season. If they like Henderson, their third-round pick last year, that couldn't beat out Malcolm Brown, Hook'em Horns, <laughs> when Todd Gurley was injured, then why would they not have taken Acres? Why would they have taken Acres in the second round of this year's draft as their very first pick in the entire draft? Especially given their need for many other positions, they made their intentions very clear by drafting Acres as the twentieth pick of the second round. I think he will become the lead running back in L.A. Um, in uh, the middle of this year, by by the middle of this year, I think he's going to become the better player. Unlike most analysts, I actually have Aker ranked number four, ranked rookie overall. That means he's ahead of DeAndre Swift and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So this is definitely a best pick by my by my estimation. I know I'm rare in that assumption, but that's that's truly what I believe. Cam Akers, great value here at number eight. As far as the biggest reach. Of course, in this loaded draft, it's hard to say with the biggest reach, especially in the first round. But what I'll say is I believe that Henry Ruggs was drafted here the earliest that I've seen, although tied with the earliest I've seen. Ruggs is at pick number 10, whereas in the other drafts that I reported on already, he was ranked number 14 or drafted number 14 and fell as far as number 20 in one of the other drafts that I was in. Though he went number 10 in these drafts, I do ha- I have seen him drafted as number 10 in two other drafts that I've yet to write about. So I think this is just proof that he's going to become the most debatable uh, rookie in this year's draft. I think some Dynasty GMs, like the Raiders GMs in real life, uh, like him more than I do. I'd be willing to take a risk at him in the second round, but I believe that Michael Pittman and T. Higgins, who are drafted... Uh, in the second round in this draft, much later, I, be, I really believe they have much safer floors, and I'd prefer to pick safer picks in the first and second round. That's kind of my philosophy. Safer picks, first and second round, then go for the high ceiling picks the rest of the draft. And I just don't think Ruggs is a very safe pick right there at number 10. I might be willing to reach for him in the second round, but not this early. So I'd consider that my biggest reach. As far as my pick, I was very pleased to have Jalen Rager fall to me at 1.9, which is precisely where I have him ranked. I have him ranked as the ninth-ranked rookie, so I got him exactly where I thought. Rager's one of my favorite guys to watch on film this offseason. He's totally explosive athlete with versatile skills, and I believe the Eagles have a a variety of ways that they could use him in their offense, especially given the one skill receivers that they have in Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. They've got kind of the big-bodied receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. They've got the speed receiver in Deshaun Jackson, where I think the, the uniqueness that Rager brings is he can pl- apply all of that and more. So I, I, truth be told, I am a little concerned about Philadelphia because they continue to draft wide receivers in the NFL draft. But I think that they did so for that very reason, knowing that Jeffrey and Jackson will not be on the team beyond this year. In the, in the matter of fact, for this draft, I do have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who I'm still very hopeful for. I have him on my team in this league, which really allows me to kind of hedge my bets a little bit. If I can roster both of them for a while and see who becomes the future number one, 
If not, maybe I have the number one and the number two wide receiver uh, in 2021 for Philadelphia. We'll see. Um, I would see what happens given the competition that they have here. I don't think that he'll become a star for me right away in year number one, but I do love him uh, kind of sitting on the bench behind some of my older wide receivers, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I love drafting Rager here at number nine in the first round. Let's move on to the second round. Again, go to the website so that you can actually see the ADP and compare it to your leagues. But in the second round here, we have a pick 11, Keyshawn Vaughn, pick 12, Michael Pittman, pick 13, Denzel Mims, 14, Joe Burrow, 15, Brandon Ayuk, 16, Zach Mox, 17, T. Higgins, 18, LaVisca Chenault, 19, Brian Edwards, my pick, and 20, A.J. Dillon. As far as what I think is the best value here, I think is very clearly T. Higgins. He fell to number 17, while he's number 10 ranked rookie for me. Um, I've just seen Higgins fall in most drafts so far. It's, I don't understand why. It's really confusing to me. He was a five-star recruit going to Clemson, what I also call, and many people call, wide receiver U, and his play and stats improved every single year. He's a proven red zone target with a size, scored 26 touchdowns his sophomore and junior year combined. His draft capital at pick number 2.1, that means he's basically a first-round pick, along with Cincinnati's first-round pick, Joe Burrow. I just think the future is bright with both of these rookies. I tried hard in this draft to trade up to get him, but I just couldn't make it work. And so I was very sad and continually sad that I've still not had T. Higgins um, as my number one pick. Looking back at this, when I drafted Jalen Rager, I think in one of my next couple drafts, if that comes to it, I might actually just take a shot at T. Higgins, who I have just ranked one spot behind Rager. So they're right there neck and neck for me. I couldn't believe that he fell to number 17. Biggest reach? I'm going to say Denzel Mims. I'm, I'm going to look really good or I'm going to look really bad based on my Denzel Mims ranking. I am lower on him than most any analyst, some of whom actually have Mims as their number one ranked rookie wide receiver. I think his stellar combine performance made his value rise too high. I did move him up a bit in my rankings after the combine, but what I saw in his film is far more important to me, and I just didn't see a guy that I liked to be ranked this high. I also don't like his landing spot in New York. He's matched with a great young quarterback for sure in, in Darnold, but he's also paired with a coach, Adam Gaze, who's been known to destroy fantasy value of his players. Ask Devontae Parker what it's like to be free from a coach that stifled the start of his young career in Miami. That's what happened. And I think that you know, Parker's breakout under Brian Flores shows that there's actual uh, differences that happen here. And Gaze just doesn't do well for his fantasy players. He's a top player in my uh, tier three for me, but there's a big break, which I'll talk about in a minute. So he's a top th uh, three tier for me. But here he's drafted way too high. He's drafted as a top two tier player, but number 13, whereas I have him ranked number 19. Um, I'd like, I like the guy that I drafted, which we'll talk about right now, six picks later, far more than I do Mims. My pick in this draft was actually, uh, I tried, like I said before, I tried really hard to trade up for T Higgins, but I couldn't make it work. And I would have actually, to be honest, I would have preferred LaVisca Chenault, who also fell way too far in this draft, in my opinion. But there was not much that I was willing to offer, able to offer for the offer, the owner who drafted him one spot ahead of me. Chenault went right in front of me. And so I received offers then for my number 19 pick, a lot of offers, particularly one owner. He really wanted to trade up for Brian Edwards, 
but I ultimately decided to climb because Brian Edwards is my 18th rate rookie, and it's actually where I have a big tear break in my rankings. I feel like after Edwards, everything kind of falls off. That includes Denzel Mims, which is 19. So the ranking, the difference between Edwards and Mims, pretty significant for me. I could have traded back just a few picks and added more fourth and fifth round picks in the draft. That's kind of what was offered to me, but I just really wanted Edwards. Um, the tear break caused me to hold this pick. Plus the fact, you know, this kind of happens when we're, if we're being real in our leagues, <laughs> when we're drafting, if you're in many leagues, I just like Edwards as a prospect and so, thus far I've been unable to draft him. He was sniped before me in a couple of my drafts already and I just wanted to finally get him in one of my drafts. He is my 18th ranked player and I believe, believe there's a big teardrop after number 18. Let's go now to uh, round number three in this draft. Round number three went Chase Claypool, Tua Tagovailoa, Antonio Gibson, Devin Duvernay, Anthony McFarlane, Darrington Evans, Joshua Kelly, Adam Troutman, Van Jefferson, and KJ Hamler. Interesting third round here. I found that in all these drafts, round one and two, they're pretty much the same players, but once you get to the third round, it's kind of like a free-for-all. So from that standpoint, when I talk about biggest reach or biggest uh, biggest uh, stretch, I just feel like it, it's it's every each man to his own at this point. And so actually, what I did for this one is I actually listed two biggest reaches because I couldn't find a particular value. I thought the third round, everyone was valued pretty well. So I'm going to give you two biggest reaches. First biggest reach is uh, Chase Claypool. I don't see I don't uh, see particularly like I said particularly high value in this round, but Chase Claypool really came out of nowhere for me. He came out of nowhere after his athletic uh, testing in the combine that vaulted him up rookie rankings pretty significantly by most analysts. And then when he landed with Pittsburgh, which I think is kind of a false thing, who, who most people believe they're like the kind of wide receiver whisperer. They seem to draft every good wide receiver, which is somewhat true but it's they've drafted a lot of bad receivers as well so i don't believe that those two things the combine and getting drafted by pittsburgh really moved him up as well as draft capital which is important i believe i just think that he's a glorified tight end to me he looks more spectacular um, catching jump balls and sideline catches he does on his film but nowhere he's nowhere near the talent of juju smith schuster of course but I really don't think he even compares to the second and third round guys in Deontay Johnson and James Washington who are ahead of him in Pittsburgh. He has different size and skill set for sure than those guys do, but I, th- I just think it's far more limited. Like Denzel Mims, I'm going to be looking really good or really stupid based on my, my ranking of Claypool because of where all the other people have drafted him. I think it's too big of a reach. I'm going to give a number two biggest reach right here instead, and that would be Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson seemed to be a reach by the Rams when they drafted him in the second round. Um, Jefferson is my 38th ranked rookie, but to see him go at number 29 was a really big surprise, just like it was in the real NFL draft. The Rams didn't draft him, uh, did draft him early, so the draft capital, of course, is in his favor. But I just think the wide receiver corps in, in LA with Cups and Woods and Reynolds is far too strong for Jefferson to break through. And add to that the fact that the likelihood that the Rams are going to continue to run 12 personnel behind Higby and, and Everett and just get them more involved and run those two tight end sets. I just don't believe it. Um, I just don't see the opportunity for him in a big playing time. Plus, add to that the fact that the Rams also drafted a tight end, Bryson uh, Hopkins, in the fourth round, so two picks later, is even more indication that they plan to involve their tight ends more in the offense in the future. And so given those things, 
the great receivers that they already have there, even though they got rid of Cooks, I don't see Jefferson being able to make a breakthrough. I wouldn't draft him this early. I'd draft him much later. As far as my pick, um, I did mention that I drafted uh, Jameis Winston, who was uh, my clear starting quarterback last year. But of course, his offseason news could not have been more worse for me. And of course, if you listen to me, you know I've had him in many leagues, so this is bad news altogether for me with Winston. Um, but here's what happened. I was thrilled to have Tua fall to me at 3.2. Pick number 22 was a pick that I traded for in last year's, in, during the season last year. Since I had him as my number 15 ranked rookie overall, to get him at number 22 was awesome for me. I did acquire this pick, like I said, in a trade last year, and it sure paid off. The truth is, this season with Winston and his situation, I was scrambling, trying to find some other quarterbacks and get some younger quarterbacks on my team for the first time in a while. I generally don't like to roster young quarterbacks. I, I prefer the young, uh, the much older veterans that are pretty solid and stable. Their careers last a long time. But in this league, I was a little bit stuck with Winston being injured. So this offseason, I actually traded Jimmy Garoppolo my 3.9, so my ninth round, my ninth pick in this round that we're talking about right now, to get Daniel Jones because I wanted Daniel Jones. And so now I'm pretty happy that I have Jones and Tua is my developmental quarterbacks, and I have them actually ranked already in my quarterback rankings at number 14 and 15. So they're almost top 12 guys, in my opinion, to start with, and I've got two of them. I can do that while I wait for Winston to see if the the silly guy ever becomes a future quarterback there in New Orleans. Um, It's pretty good, though. You'll see that I make another uh, quarterback move in this draft just to see what happens. So scrambling a little bit here at quarterback um, in this one quarterback league, but I got a stock roster, as you'll see later, so I felt like I could afford that. We get now to the fourth round. In the fourth round, here are the players that were picked. Uh, Raymond Calais, Lynn Bowden, LaMichael Pirine, Quintus Cephas, Eno Benjamin, Antonio Gandy-Golan, DJ Dallas, Tyler Johnson, Teddy Bridgewater by me, and Justin Herbert. Again, go to the website if you want to see all these. It's going to make it much easier for you to evaluate your ADP. But let's talk best value, biggest stretch, and my pick. Best value, I've said this many times already, but Tyler Johnson, he might be stuck behind two studs and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin for sure, but that could just be what he needs. I think if Johnson can become the starting wide receiver and three wide receiver sets, he could be a dynasty value that could just increase significantly. I think this is a good situation for him where he doesn't have to go in and be a number one, where he can just work his way in. I think it's going to be hard for Tampa uh, Tampa Bay to keep Evans and Godwin forever. One of them is going to likely be lost, you know, or one of them is going to have to sign a block bur- blockbuster contract and the other will not. In that case, I think that Johnson long-term could grow with the team. While the attention's being focused on Evans and Godwin, he could step into one of the pretty active roles this year and take over a role when one of the other two leaves. You have to say for granted, uh, Tom Brady will not likely be the quarterback throwing in passes uh, in the future, but the first time in a very, very long time, there's plenty of good quarterbacks available in free agency and as we continue to pump them out in the draft. And so quarterback position overall in the NFL is looking good, and Tampa Bay could find someone that could work really well with Johnson in the years to come. Following this late, the very good pick of Tyler Johnson. In fact, of course, he was the guy that I wanted, and he was drafted right before my draft pick pretty annoying. Biggest stretch. Um, I won't say much here because last week I podcasted about it and wrote about it. Raymond Calais, he was a pretty big stretch at number 39, but now he gets picked at number 31. Last week I wrote about how he was a big stretch at number 39. This time he gets picked at 31. I just can't uh, 
list him uh, again. Here's the biggest reach. He was uh, number not even in my top 72. And so I'm either really missing something. This is a you know wise league with some some smart owners. I must be seriously missing something, or this is a very big reach at pick number 31. As for my pick, I debated a pretty long time between Teddy Bridgewater and Justin Herbert. I mentioned that I wanted to kind of target quarterbacks here. Um, Teddy Bridgewater and Justin Herbert were the two that I was thinking about. On the one hand, it would have been nice to have a, a two rookie quarterbacks, having both Tua and Herbert. But still, I had enough questions about Herbert overall, just not sure if he's really going to make it, to choose somewhat of a proven player in Bridgewater. Somewhat proven, of course. He's only you know had his, his kind of injury seasons and his years off, but now he's performed decently with Minnesota and, of course, performed well when Breeze was injured in New Orleans. I think what excites me the most is that he's going to be paired with LSU offensive coordinator Joe Brady. I'm really eager to see what this new coaching staff and scheme can do with Bridgewater and really the ridiculous offensive weapons that he has. Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson. Um, I picked up Bridgewater in several leagues during the offseason after Carolina acquired him, but like I said, this is a league here where you're not able to uh, draft player or recruit players uh, rather pick players up off waivers during the offseason from the time the NFL Super Bowl ends until now when the draft ends. So there's a few more really quality guys that I would have picked up if the waiver wire was active during the offseason. He was my top veteran to pick up in this draft, and so it seemed about about the time to pick him up in this rookie draft. And so I picked up a veteran, and I think it was a good move drafting him above Herbert. But of course, as everything, time will tell. Moving on to round number five. Round number five went like this. I started the uh, little run. This was the two players I was debating between. I started the run between veteran players because pick number 41 was Hayden Hurst, a veteran player at Atlanta. And now we got some rookies. Joe Reed, Cole Kment, Isaiah Coulter, Harrison Bryant, James Roche, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah Hodgkins, which is my pick again. <laughs> and number 50, of course, uh, the Dolphins. So we had a defense get picked up here. Best value, I'd say, on this round was really Cole Kement. If you've been following me, one of my other podcasts, I talked about how Cole Kement was a reach in one of my other picks, but now he falls finally to number 41, where I've seen him go number 26 and number 30 in other drafts that I wrote about and podcasted about. I just thought that was way too early, but now getting him at pick number 41 seems like a really great deal, uh, given that I have him ranked as my 34-ranked rookie. 41 seems like a good deal. Usually tight ends take time to develop, but if I had a solid tight end and I had a roster spot to hold Kement, this is about right where I would be willing to draft him. With rare exceptions, I don't believe in drafting tight ends based on need. I would draft him here, though, based on value. Uh, he'll have every chance to become the starting tight end in Chicago. He likely won't have early fantasy production, but a starting role could lead to fantasy, a uh, good fantasy future in the next few years. And so at 41, I thought this was a great value. Kind of hard to name a biggest stretch here, but I'll go ahead and name one. I would say uh, that uh, Coulter would be the biggest stretch for me. Um, I've, I'm certain that Coulter could have been picked up in the in undrafted free agency round, the UDFA round of this draft. In fact, I've seen the same owner of this league pick up Coulter in other leagues after the rookie draft was over. So he knows he could have waited on him, but he drafted him here in the fifth. We do have six rounds in this league, so at the very least, he could have waited until the next round to try to get Coulter, because I don't think anyone in this league would have been trying to go for him. There is room, certainly room, to make uh, make a move here in Houston. 
You got Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, and Kenny Stills as the top three receivers in Houston. So there is really room for him to solidify himself at a wide receiver four number spot. But I just think overall, you could have waited to make this move in the sixth round of this draft since we have six rounds. If not, just waited for free ag- undrafted free agency like he's been going in most of my drafts. All of my drafts, actually. Finally, for my pick in this round, I drafted Isaiah Hodgins. <laughs> I've drafted him in all my drafts, so you can go back and listen to all my podcasts and listen to what I've already talked about him. So I won't say much here, much more here. I will point out that I picked him at number 40, 41 in another draft and number 56 in another draft, and here I drafted him at number 49. Um, I really like him more than Gabriel Davis, who Buffalo drafted two rounds earlier, and the owner before me drafted him right before I drafted him in this draft. I think the dynasty owners are wisely weighing draft capital. He was drafted two rounds before Gabriel Davis was drafted two rounds ahead of Hodgins. I think that's a smart move generally, but the fact is that I'm fascinated with Hodgins' film. I think he is an ideal uh, prospect. He increased in uh, production every year at Oregon State, culminating in a senior year of 1,171 yards, uh, 13 touchdowns in his final year. I think he'll have a lot to prove behind Stefan Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley, for sure, and of course, fellow rookie Gabriel Davis. But he's the kind of player that I want to take a bet on. And even if he doesn't make the Buffalo roster and becomes like a free agent and signs up or picked up by another team, he's like the 30th player on a 30-man roster that I might hold on to just because I want to see what happens with him. I believe in him way more than others. You've heard me talk about it too much, so I'll just move on from that right now. Round six, this is a six-round draft compared to most of my leagues. Let me give you the sixth round, and we'll wrap it up here pretty quick. Number 51, Albert Akubanum, or Albert O, 52, James Robinson, 53, Jordan Love, 54, Salvin Ahmed, 55, Mike Warren, 56, I don't know how to say it, Sehu Aluwanu, <laughs> the uh, running back from TCU, 57, Devin Asiasi, 58, Colin Johnson, 59, Blake Jarwin, and 60, Mr. Insignificant, Jared Stenham. Best value real quick here, I will give this to Jarrett Stenham. He is Mr. Insignificant, but it's the one quarter, it's a one-quarterback league, but pick number 60, it's worth waiting to see if he's named the starter and plays well enough to hold on after the preseason. Like, pretty good pick here for the last pick of the draft. Biggest stretch, hard to name one here in a sixth round of a rookie draft, but I'll just say uh, the, the Suu, <laughs> the draft, undrafted free agent that was picked up by Dallas to be what is presumed to be a fullback, not a running back. Dallas added much more, a much more touted college player, Enrico Dowdle, as a UDFA to try to make the team behind Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pallard. So I think the Suo pick was really um, a wasted pick. Hard to say in the sixth round, but I got to pick on somebody. And as far as my pick in the sixth round, I drafted uh, Blake Jarwin. I'd rather have uh, drafted a player that what you know that. That happened here, like just all before me. I had Savin Ahmed, Michael Warren, Colin Johnson, and Devin Asiasi. They were all ahead of me, and they all got drafted. So when it finally came down to it, I was ready just to draft Jarwin. I'd prefer at this point to pick a player that's proven than just kind of wait on someone in the sixth round of a draft. I think Jarwin could make the cut on my final roster. You'll see when I talk about my tight ends. I'd like to see what he can do now that Jason Witten's finally gone. So that was my draft. I really love my first three players that I picked in this draft. I added wide receiver depth, which is the aging part of my team and my team's weakness. I added depth at all the other positions, including quarterbacks, two quarterbacks, which I needed since Jameis Winston was my weekly starter last year. 
I still believe when I look at this league that I have a top four roster. If my quarterbacks that I drafted and my wide receivers hit in this draft in the next year or two, I can wait on them. I still think I'm going to keep my championship window open pretty good. Here's why. Let me tell you what my final roster looks like. Real quickly, at quarterback, I have now I have Tua Tungvaloa, uh, Daniel Jones, Teddy Bridgewater, and Jameis Winston. As I mentioned, I was hurting at quarterback after this offseason with Jameis Winston. I like what I did this year in the draft and in the offseason by acquiring Jones, drafting Tua, and Bridgewater. I'm really hoping that two of these three will pop in this next year so I can maybe trade one of them. Uh, we'll see, and we obviously have to wait to see if Jameis Winston um, will uh, become eventually uh, the number one quarterback in New Orleans after Brees retires, but I like the younger depth that I have at quarterback. Running back, here's really the strength of my team. I have Nick Chubbs, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, Kareem Hunt, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, Chase Edmonds, and Jamal Williams. Nick Chubbs and Miles Sanders are my number six and seven ranked running backs already right now. So I'm thrilled to have these young running backs be the strength of my team. I see Hunt as the literally the best handcuff in the league, and so he provides a lot of security for me behind Chubb. And then I love that I have Howard and Breida that I can lock down the Miami backfield and see what happens there. I think they could actually make many starts for me in my flex position at times. As far as Mack and Hines and Edmonds and Williams, I think they're, for the most part, pretty solid handcuffs if, they're, if their starters were to get injured. I'll hold all of them for sure. With the exception of Williams, who, based on how A.J. Dillon plays in the offseason, I could see myself actually dropping Jamal Williams. But the rest of these players, I think I want to keep. Max, in a final year of his contract, he'll be stuck behind Jonathan Taylor, but perhaps he could go somewhere else after this year. As for wide receiver, I have Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, Jarvis Landry, Brandon Cooks. Then Jalen Ragers, Brian Edwards that I just drafted. Beyond them, Brandon Perriman, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Josh Reynolds, and of course the guy I drafted, Isaiah Hodgins. While I don't have any top 15 ranked uh, wide receivers, uh, I do feel like I have four of the top 15 to 30 in my rankings. At least I have top three top targeted wide receivers in Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, and, and Brandon Cooks. Presumably, we don't quite know there in Houston. And of course I have Landry, who's maybe not the top targeted receiver, but he always finishes as top 25 wide receiver, top 24 wide receiver wherever he lands. So I'm definitely okay running with these middle tier wide receivers when my running backs and tight ends are so solid. But that said, I feel like I do need some of my first year or maybe a second year wide receivers to step up in this next year or two as my wide receiver corpse is getting older and older. At tight end, I have Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Jack Doyle, and Blake Jarwin now. I have Ertz ranked as my number five tight end, while his teammate Goddard is my number eight tight end. I love having them both on my team, knowing that they can be both be top 12 tight ends like they did last year. And if one were to get injured or move teams eventually, I would have a top four to five tight end for sure. As for Jack Doyle, I think he was poised for a great breakout just before Indianapolis signed Eric Ebron two years ago. Ebron's finally gone again, and Doyle's not too old to have a breakout year this year, particularly with Phillip Rivers, who loves to target his tight ends. Jarwin could become a factor for me in Dallas, though his target share will be pretty limited with all the stud wide receivers they have. Um, I think he'll compete with the back-end wide receivers on my roster and the back-end running backs on my roster to see who's actually going to make my team when we have to make our cuts. Real quickly, as kicker, kicker, I got Zane, Zane Gonzalez. He's a high-scoring, 
on a high-scoring offense that struggled in the red zone at least last year. He's also signed to a long-term contract, kicks a lot indoors. I like having that. And my defenses are the Bills and the Saints. And in this league, defenses count for quite a bit. And I feel like the Bills and Saints are top 10 defenses in my rankings. And I feel like their coaches, as well as the players they've added to their teams, uh, leave me no reason to believe they won't be both be top 12 teams. So I can just stream them and play the matchups and gladly start either of those teams. So that is what my keeper team looks like. I appreciate you guys giving a listen. Checking it out, I hope it helps you as you think about your rookie drafts that either already happened and so you can just reflect back on them and think about some of my thoughts on players that you've heard about, or perhaps you have some uh, drafts coming up, and if you do, I'd love love to talk to you about those drafts, so feel free to contact me anytime. That's a week wrap for this week, rather, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening, and make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's Dynasty Freaks with two E's. I am much better on email than I am on Twitter, so email is the best way to contact me, dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. I'd be honored if you'd take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate your support and want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.